CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Welcome into another edition of the podcast. It's your money and your life with Don Cash and myself here to talk about social security, cost of living changes. Uh, We're going to have a nice refreshing cola or are we? <laughs> if you don't know what that means, we're going to tell you in just a second. So we're going to get into this with Don, my friend. Hey, it's hot outside, Don. You and I were just talking about it, and I'm having a nice, refreshing cola. Uh, so we're going to talk about whether or not the uh, the government's giving us one. What's, what's I like you? that. I like a refreshing cola. That's yeah. a, a, That should be the topic, right? There you go. How you doing? <laughs> doing good. And, uh, you know, as we record this show, we're, it's less than two weeks from Labor Day weekend, right? It's mm-hmm. crazy how quick it's come upon us that but the we were just talking the weather here it's been relatively cool and comfortable it's like yeah. 76 degrees we're right only now. like seven and, hours apart yeah and it's starkly different so yeah i mean for you guys uh i guess the best weather is probably after october but for us it's between like now and october 1st i would mm, say yeah yeah no it's 97 at the time we're taping this today with a hundred in a couple of days, so it's a little toasty, and that has you know definitely not been the case right across the country this year. It's been fairly oppressive in uh, in the south, but really in the southwest, it's been obviously crazy hot out there. Uh, so hopefully that'll change soon as well. But on a different note, you just got back from the seminar at the Stock Exchange, New York Stock Exchange. We talked about that on the last podcast. You're going to be heading out there. How'd it go? Well, very productive, but uh, I have to say I have not been in that area mark of manhattan since before covid mm, okay so lower manhattan was really very very quiet not a lot of people it wasn't like hustling and bustling mm. you know like it was a few years ago not right. as many people i remember since you know i guess what 2019 2018 and typically august by the way is a is a slow time of the year in the city anyway yeah. a lot of people are on vacation and you know there's not a lot of tourism in in the city at the end of august but Actually, it's a really cool spot. Wall Street is an area really rich in American history. Have you ever visited down there? No, actually, I've never been to New York. So it's one of the things that we sort of had on our list and we removed it the last number of years. So maybe we'll put it back on one of these days. Yeah, it's a neat spot to visit, particularly that corner of Wall Street and Broad Street. Right. It's actually the site of the... Uh, the old Federal Hall, and it's directly across from the New York Stock Exchange, and it was the very first capital of the United States of America. Very cool. Yeah, and it's where George Washington gave his first inaugural address in 1789. Yeah, I mean, definitely some history for sure. So it's one of, like I said, it's one of those things we'd like to visit one of these days uh, when when hopefully the world gets a little more smoothed out. I don't know if that's happening anytime soon, <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, you know, but it's one of those things we definitely have on the radar. Well, it's interesting because back then, Washington, D.C. really wasn't there, right? Right, in, right, yeah. Washington, no. It was just being developed, and New York City was the established as the first capital city of America from 1785 to 1790. Mm-hmm. And for 10 years after that, from 1790 to 1800, it was Philadelphia. Yeah, I think a lot right? of people associate Philadelphia more as the, as the first one prior to D.C., you know. Absolutely, yeah. right? So, you know, you think of, of course, of all the founding fathers' history of right. Philadelphia. And all the and Franklin sort of stuff there and everything, yeah. Yep, and then in 1800, that's when it became Washington, D.C. So if you ever get down there, okay. there is a large statue of George Washington that's standing on the Wall Street at the old Federal Hall 
It's directly facing the New York Stock Exchange on the corner of Wall Street and Broad Street. So pretty cool. Very cool. I will add it to the list of things to do for sure. So speaking of DC, let's talk about that COLA, which is um, the cost of living adjustment is what it stands for, right? So the new cost of living increase numbers for Social Security are soon to be announced, Don. They are based on the inflation rate over the past year or the consumer uh, price index, that CPI we've talked about here before on the show. And at the end of the last show, we touched on, obviously, the inflation issue. So let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, any insight? What does it look like for the 2024 COLAs? And, uh, and how does the CPI figure into all that? Well, it's a great question. I mean, it's something that comes up you know, around this time of year, right? So the CPI calculation is, you know, it's really, really complex and it consists of a lot of different layers, but first the basics, right? The Social Security COLA for 2023 was 8.7%. I mean, that was- Yeah, biggest one in a long time, yeah. Yeah, in like 40 years or so. Yeah. That was the increase in the benefits for this year starting in January and the increase starting uh, four months from now, right? Which is hard to believe, right? Four months from now, it's going to be 2024. <laughs> I know, right? So based on the government data estimates, looks to be about 3%. Hmm. Okay. The official number uh, is going to be announced in October. So in another, you know, basically six weeks or so. Yeah. That's a mighty big drop from 23 and 22 when it was 8.7 and 5.9. Yeah. And actually it is for sure. But 3% has been about the average since that cost of living started in Social Security that in 1975, uh, the first 10 years from 1975 to the, I guess, the early 80s was much, much higher than 3%. Uh, those were those big inflation years, right? Right. And then the, the Carter years, early Reagan years in the 70s. And last 10 years uh, prior to the past two, but the past 10 years before that is was really much, much lower than three percent in fact there were a couple of years that it was no increase yeah you know i got a feeling that three percent is not going to make a lot of people happy uh versus what the inflation feels like so let's talk about that a little bit with the cpi numbers you know how does it factor into inflation interest rates taxes government benefits you know like social security i think the average person sees that three percent number and says that's just not accurate as way as kind of starting this this piece right i know my mom's going to do that she's going to go what three percent you know and and if you look at gas rent, property taxes, insurance, food, the places that really hit your wallet, uh, it just doesn't seem to correlate. I agree completely, right? I mean, if you look at the way we live our life, right? I'm looking at uh, driving by the gas station yesterday. I'm like, the gas prices are almost oh, $4 yeah. a gallon again. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a great point. I went the, yeah. other day, uh, the other day, I went out and got gas for my truck and, and lunch for my brother and I, just lunch for two people. And it was a hundred bucks. Yep, and I just got my property tax bill. We pay it here in New Jersey every quarter, mm-hmm. right? So um, April 1st is when they kind of recalculated everything, and they were a little bit late. They didn't send me the bill until like a couple of days after August 1st, and, and I'm like, wow, that's a pretty big jump from the prior yeah. year. So, you know, you're right. It just seems understated, I, right. I agree, but let's let's dig a little deeper into this and get some clarity. Okay. First of all, here's something that people, I think a lot of people don't realize. There's really no one CPI, right? There's no one um, index called the uh, consumer price index. Okay. Right? We all know that the government loves statistics and gathering all information on what we do in the economy. <laughs> so you think there would be uh, some unified index. So there's basically really four uh, CPI index. Traditionally, it's been three, but it's really four. Uh, consumer price index or inflation numbers. 
And they're tracked in Washington by the Bureau of Labor Statistics every single month. Okay. And they are CPI for all urban consumers. It's called CPIU, U for urban. Uh, CPI for urban wage earners and clerical workers. That's CPIW. Okay. And there's something called chained CPI for all urban consumers. All right. So those are the three basic. And there's also a little known category called CPIE. And E is for elderly, oh, which is like, I figured that was what was coming. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not, you know, kind of fair saying elderly. It's defined as people over 62. So okay. I think a lot of people 62 wouldn't say they're elderly, but, you know, older uh, citizens. Okay. And each category attracts a different level of items in this so-called basket of items that people buy. Last year, the basic CPIU rose at the fastest pace in 40 years at over 8%. That's the number we're all familiar with, right? Mm -hmm. And it's come down recently to around 3% according to the numbers. You know, with your comment about the government likes the statistics and so on and so forth, and having, you know, four of these different things, it, it I don't know, they, they get a little Keystone Cop or Abbott and Costello to me sometimes. Doesn't they kind of feel that way? It's kind of like, you know, the who's on first routine. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you know, exactly what are you talking about? Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know what's on third. Right, right. right. And it's, you know, yesterday and tomorrow, the catcher and the pitcher. It's like there's so many different terms out there. It gets confusing. Yeah. So, okay. So what's in the basket of stuff in the CPI, right? Because we always hear about what's excluded and there's some major things that are excluded, which is, again, hilarious as to why people feel like, you know, the numbers don't match often when they when they see these things. So break that down a little bit. All right. So the goods and services in the CPI basket, right, are divided into there's eight eight major components, right? Here okay. they are. Housing, food, transportation, like the cost of running your car, for example. Right. Uh, medical care, medical insurance, that sort of thing, recreation, education, apparel, and there's another category just called other goods and services. Okay, now you said food was in there, but often we feel here that food's not. Ah, well, we'll get to that in a oh, second. Okay, all right. Right. So there's something called core CPI, right? It does not include food. Oh, geez. There's another <laughs> one. All right. Right. It doesn't include food or energy. That's what like confuses a lot of people. Yeah. Right. When they say core CPI only rose 2.5%. You're like, what? You're kidding me. I can't there's, be. That's, that's impossible. Yeah. Right. So the Federal Reserve looks at that core number when they determine if they should be raising interest rates. And of course, the big question has been, and in the recent inflation numbers is, is this high inflation embedded in the economy permanently or will it come down, right? So well, no, it's transitory. We, <laughs> yeah, great. Right, transitory is the number we heard last year. Transitory, transitory, temporary, transitory. Well, here's the thing. If it's embedded, then what happens? Then kind of behavior changes, right? So people then ask for a raise, right? Because they're saying, I can't sure. live with the, you know, these rate these wages. I need more money. Right. And then the business owner often gives a raise and the owner raises the prices. The consumers pay more and it becomes like a, a cycle that continues. Yeah. I mean, basically, that's exactly, you know, so Elton John there, the circle of life from the Lion King, you got the circle of CPI going on uh, with that little thing that you described there. So which of these, I guess, CPI numbers is used to calculate the cost of living increase that Social Security is basing their thing on? 
Yeah. So let's get back to these basic um, CPI numbers, right? The, the CPIU. Yeah. That's the most common. U stands for urban, as I mentioned. So we can't get thrown off by that term. Right? Urban, it really covers 90% of all citizens, right? Okay. Urban. It's not just like, not just the city kind of thing. No, it's cities, it's suburbs, it's what they okay. call exurbs. So it, it's really 90% of all people. Okay. Right? That's the broadest measure. It's the most comprehensive CPI number. And the government started publishing this in the late 70s, I think around 1978. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting that a lot of these inflations. A stat started popping up in the seventies, right? You know that if that's what they were doing, since that was when it was clearly a big problem then uh, with inflation. So that Social Security cola didn't start until seventy five, which is kind of hard to believe. So the program went what forty years from thirty five up to seventy five with no adjustments. Yeah, it's that is hard to believe, right? I mean, so there was no cost of living adjustments until nineteen seventy five. I mean, it's something we kind of just take for granted. Yeah, now. Um, but here's something else that's interesting, right? Even though the CPIU, that's the most comprehensive cost of living index, the Social Security cost of living, it's not based on the CPIU. <laughs> of course it's not. <laughs> of course. It's based on an index called the CPIW. And the W stands for, all right, you're going to love this, right? Urban hourly wage earners and clerical workers. So how do they get W out of that? I don't know. But even though these numbers are published every month, the government only uses the numbers from the third quarter of the year compared to the third quarter of the prior year. That's when they're that's uh, the reason why they're finalized in October. Right? Right. So here's what the CPIW uh, really is. I mentioned that, that price index for urban wage earners and clerical workers. It's really a subset of the CPIU. It's sometimes called the, the blue collar index, and it excludes self-employed people, salaried people, part-time workers. So you can see where it excludes a lot of Jeez, people, actually. Yeah. So it only covers about 29% of all the workers. Wow. That is uh, that seems a little skewed, right? So why in the world would they use that You know, versus the one that covers 90% of people? All right. So there's not More money. a lot. Uh, yeah. It's a, why don't, if you Google that, Mark, you'll have a hard time getting the answer to that question. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of buried in some of the statements. They say it's more accurate, right? And you'll love this one. They say it's the way we've always done it. Well, of course. Now that that doesn't <laughs> surprise me, right there, right? That's almost like a parent answer, right? Just that's the because I told you so uh, kind of answer that your mom or dad would give you when you asked why you had to clean your room. Uh, so, <laughs> what about these other CPI categories like the elderly or the chained? Uh, if you're going to increase Social Security benefits, you would think they would consider the CPIE, right? Yeah. I mean, first of all, Mark, I told you that was the secret category. Oh, sorry. Sorry. They don't want you to know about the CPIE. So uh, seriously, it does make sense, right? And, and here's the thing. There are items in that basket of goods and services, the CPIE, that affects people over the age of 62 more than someone, of course, who's 35 or 40 years old, right? Mm-hmm. And since the minimum Social Security age is 62, you'd think it would make perfect sense. So someone age 62, for example, they spend a lot more of their money on medical care, right, than tuition payments, right. education payments, even on housing, right? It can be a greater expense depending upon where they live and what the housing is like, right? If they're in assisted living, it can be a lot more expensive. Sure, yeah. So the CPIE gives a, a much greater weight 
right, to the medical care and certain kinds of housing than to CPIW. So I think you're definitely going to hear more about the CPIE in the future. That's, you know, the a, a rare prediction. <laughs> the key keep hiding rare, the secret. <laughs> yeah, a rare prediction I'll make. that yeah. It's hard to bury this, right? So you'll hear more about it in the future, even though it's it's been around for a long, long time. Yeah, I, I hope you're right, you know, because that does just seem completely goofy. Uh, and maybe the secret can get out uh, through uh, things like our podcast here. I, and so it gets back to the money, Don. The solvency of Social Security, balancing the money in Social Security system versus you know people collecting benefits, keeping up with inflation. I mean, because I know this is obviously a super convoluted juggling act that's going on, which you know these conversations we have just highlights just how convoluted it can be. Yeah, it really is, and it takes us right up you know to the future of the entire Social Security system. Right. We talk a lot about the national debt being thirty two trillion dollars. Right. right. And the Social Security solvency being an issue in the early, you know, the year 2033 or 2034. So the changes that are likely to be made and the conflict between those on Social Security and those younger people paying into the system, there's a political pressure to you know, not make substantial changes. So from a political standpoint, the question is, how do you make changes to the system, right? Adjust the benefits for inflation, lower the future payouts for, say, people under 55, and still keep your job as a senator, as a congressman. That's the tricky point. That's the 64000 or maybe $64 million, or what was it, $32 trillion question, right? Because no, yeah, one, wants yeah. to, no one wants to do it because it's just always the hot potato. It's always a political poker chip of some kind, you know, and it gets used in whatever way, but ultimately they all just kind of look at it as a big dumpster fire and want to stay away from it as long as they can. Yeah, you're right. If you add the $32 trillion in national debt and the 2032, speaking of the 32, 32 and 32 is $64,000 question, right? Yeah, there like you go. a $64 trillion yeah, yeah, question. Yeah, $64 trillion question, right. So I think that's where the... the um, Here's where that CPI, chained CPI, they call it the CCPIU, comes into the picture, right? So, it's, it's just, yeah. It sounds like a game kids would play, CCPIU. Yeah, it has the Abbott and Costello routine <laughs> right, again, so who's, on third, who's on second. Uh, anyway. Right? So the, this CPI, the CPI chained, tends to be lower than the other CPI. So if you can increase the benefits in Social Security, for example, mm-hmm. by 2%, rather than 3%, doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a 50% reduction in benefits. All right, Don, so hang on. So first off, what exactly is the chain-weighted CPI, and how is it different from the 47 other ones that we just covered? Yeah, that's a great question. So the chain-weighted CPI for each month actually accounts for the changes in consumer preferences, right, and product substitutions that people make in, in real in real life, right? So here's an example. Let's say you go to the supermarket and typically you buy $20 worth of beef, right? Okay. And $10 worth of chicken. And this was back in 2021. Right. And now in 2022, the beef is $40 and the chicken is $12. Mm-hmm. Well, what you simply do is buy more chicken in 2022 than beef. Right. Therefore, in 2022, it looks like your cost of living mm. really hadn't gone up as much, right? Because 
you change a buying pattern. Yeah, right? so, so we adjust in the field, basically, for what we've got in our wallet, and they just look at it and go, oh, you know, okay, so there's just not that much of a difference. They're still buying, they're just buying more of this product versus that product. Exactly. Yeah, so okay. for they're saying, oh, Mark's cost of living really didn't go up that much because he made some yeah. changes, right? Even though I he ate did, like a ton of bean sprouts and wanted chicken <laughs> or beef. Yeah, <laughs> it, right. It could be beans and chicken and food or it could be well, yeah, whatever. You know, right. it's, instead of buying that higher uh, end Ford, you bought something a little less expensive, right? I went with a Yugo. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be a certain age, Mark, to know what that is. <laughs> Most right? of our demographic probably knows what the Yugo yeah, is. Yeah, a Yugoslavian small car, right? A really tiny little thing. Anyway, go ahead. Yep, we, we digress. So uh, if the government uses that index, right, the chained CPI, uh-huh. your benefits don't increase as much, right? Okay, well, at least they're, I guess that makes sense. Right, so you can see the problem, right? Right, the, right. So the CPI E is more accurate for someone mm-hmm. who is over 62. But the CPI chain weighted is a better index to reduce the increase in the Social Security benefits. And the politicians, Mark, can still say mm-hmm. they're providing mm-hmm. a COLA benefit. Well, and that's that's you know, that's the whole animal right there, right? We get to still say whatever we need to say. So I guess, I don't know, Don, the most important takeaway, I guess, is we, we got to get educated on these things, right? So, I mean, this is something like, I, obviously, I knew what the CPI was, but I had no clue, you know, that there were these other ones and hidden ones and so on and so forth and how it's going to affect us personally. So I guess the question would be, somebody might be asking themselves, listening to this is, what's our CPI? Like, what's my personal CPI, right? And that's where maybe you've got to sit down and talk with a professional like yourself because you got to really break down your own numbers because it gets really pretty confusing in here. And so as always, don't forget, you know, when we're talking about this stuff, it gets kind of complicated. If you need some help or if you're concerned or confused or you just want to sit down and figure out what it is that you've got and how to get to and through retirement, make sure you reach out to Don and have a question with him, have a conversation with him before you take any action on something you hear from our show or any others. See how it's going to relate to you specifically, your quote unquote CPI, if you will. So give him a call at 800-664-1183 or just stop by his website at donaldcash.com. That's donaldcash.com. Anything else you think of, Don? Yeah, and one other thing just to consider, Mark, is that that CPI number also affects your tax brackets. Oh, great point. And how much you pay in taxes every year. So I think that's a a conversation we should definitely consider for another show. Should we chain it to the next one? Yeah, I like it. Oh, there we go. Very good. I'm full of bad jokes today. <laughs> uh, all right, folks. Well, thanks for hanging out with us again. Pretty pretty heavy, interesting topic here. And so it can get a little confusing. And again, that's why you need to talk with a professional when you need some help. And while you not don't necessarily need to understand the full function, I guess, of the CPI and how it's going to work specifically, you do need to understand your numbers and your data and how it's going to get you to and through the place that you want to be uh, in the future. So again, reach out to Don. Don't forget to subscribe to us on whatever podcasting app you guys like using, whether it's you know Apple or Google or Spotify. Uh, we're on all of those. You can simply type in your money and your life into the search box of any of those apps. Most of the time, they're pre-installed on your phone. If you're an Apple user, uh, Apple Podcasts is already on there. Just open up the little app and type it into the search box. You should find it that way. And if you can't, just stop by his website and check him out. DonaldCash.com. That's DonaldCash.com. My friend, thanks for hanging out and breaking it down. Thanks, Mark. Catch you next time right here on Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.